Pete Kuchak joining us at 820. Going to go around Ohio State. Also talk about Pat Fitzgerald Northwestern. Going to find out whether or not Pete thinks it's lame when people root for college teams that didn't go to that college. I've always been in a weird place in my college fandom because of that. Going to Lindenwood University. We're now D1, by the way. We're now D1. Lindenwood University just outside of St. Louis. And, uh... Yeah, I never had a chance to like root on Mizzou or root on Ohio State or root on any of the other ones. I always thought I would, whoever I married, I always thought I would just adopt their team and whatever that team would be, then I'd be like, great, I'm going to go for it. And then my, then my wife went to Cornell, and so there goes that dream is all that was. And that's fine. It's cool. Don't worry about that. Rather have her go to an Ivy than not go to an Ivy. But from football perspective, not the greatest. So we'll talk to Pete about that coming up in a little bit because college football fans in general – they get very heated about that type of subject, and I'm curious to find out what Pete thinks. So we'll talk to Pete coming up in about 20 minutes. Right now, I want to talk with you guys about Joe Burrow. And we'll play some clips from Will Brinson coming up in just a second as well. But he was talking to Complex Magazine. He was doing this interview, and what he had to say was how the best players must be close to be a great team. And by what he meant by the best players was the best players on his team. So Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, in his mind, they have to be close in order to make that thing work. And I think the reason why it went very viral today and the reason why a lot of people were talking about this discussion is because, I, I don't know, I don't think it's a shot at Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen in that current situation, but it definitely makes you think about Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen in that current situation. Seems like there's a ton of problems around Buffalo with those two right now. Stephon Diggs tends to get his way and tends to get this way as well. It happened in Minnesota with Kirk Cousins. Now it's happening with Josh Allen. And, and listen, I, you guys know I'm not the biggest Josh Allen supporter, mainly because I just think he's wildly overrated. I think he's good, but he leads the league in interceptions over the previous three years. He's got he's ninth in the league in passer rating over the previous three years. Just a lot of numbers that I think a lot of you guys wouldn't necessarily consider in talking about Josh Allen. I think he's good. I don't think he's great. But it's not what I'm talking about here, though. I'm talking about the idea that between him and Stephon Diggs, they might have hit a point that Baker Mayfield no BJ hit, where all of a sudden it just seemed like there was no return. Feels like between the two of them, and I, I'm not here to cast blame one way or another. Is it Josh Allen's fault? Is it Stephon Diggs' fault? I don't know. We all remember when it was 27 to 10 in the playoffs last year. You're, you're trailing the Bengals by 17 and Stephon Diggs is yelling at Josh Allen on the sideline in the middle of a blizzard and Josh Allen couldn't even bother to look up from his tablet. He, he took it like a toddler sitting there just like head down. All right. I'm being scolded right now. Right now. I guess I just gotta, I gotta hear what people have to say. OBJ and Baker failed because OBJ and Baker didn't uh, get along. It was fine until it wasn't, and once it wasn't fine, there was no making it fine. They don't have relationship counselors for athletes. Like in uh scene in Tin Cup with Roy McAvoy, his girlfriend, where he's just like, oh, I do, uh, I do counseling for caddies and golfers on the side. There's nothing like that for quarterbacks and wide receivers. Once it goes south, it feels like it goes south. I have so many examples of it going really, really well, though. Gronk and Edelman, both with Brady. Mahomes and Kelsey. They do golf tournaments together. They seem like they're tied at the hip. One reason why the Bengals were smart in taking Jamar Chase was that they played together at LSU, and so the connection was already there. Remember, Jamar Chase was not the slam dunk answer. A lot of people in that draft class thought that Joe Burrow should be taken and the Bengals should be taking Panay Sewell, the, the, the tackle. 
They thought he needed to be protected. They thought it was a mistake to take Jamar Chase. Turns around, they don't make it to the Super Bowl without Jamar Chase. They don't make it a back-to-back AFC title games without Jamar Chase. No doubt about that one. But in talking about the Browns and whether or not it helps or hurts that they don't really have the connection, I think that's why Kevin Stefanski is putting so much emphasis in the Greenbrier in this trip in West Virginia. One of the hard tasks that I feel like Kevin Stefanski is going to have to have is trying to form a relationship with some of these players and getting them all on the same page and getting them to be buddies when right now they're they're strangers. It's like showing up at a camp. Maybe you go to like a – I hear golf camps are a thing. I didn't get to go to a golf camp when I was a kid. I went to a baseball camp. I went to a baseball camp when I was 12 years old in Show Me, Missouri. Okay? Branson, Missouri. It was called Show Me Camp. It wasn't Show Me, Missouri. That's the, It's the Show Me State, which I lived in, and I got really excited. It was the Show Me Baseball Camp is what it was. And there's a couple of takeaways I had from that camp. It's cool when you, you meet a bunch of people that love baseball. But there was a, a Gaylord Perry was an instructor there. There was all sorts of like really cool former players. There was all these really intense baseball players that were young and really good. Like Mike Matheny's nephew was there. And I remember this one kid came up to me, and he was like, I'll never forget this interaction. He goes, I had a pair of Air Griffies on. He goes, sweet Air Griffies. Those are so cool. And I go, thanks, man. And I got, like, real excited because, like, 12-year-old me is like, this is awesome. This random kid I've never met before came up and complimented me on my my Air Griffies. How cool is this? At the time, if you played baseball, at, at I'm 34 years old. So it was, like, I don't know, early 2000s, like 2001. You played baseball, you wanted to have the Air Griffies. I had this pair of, like, the lowest, lowest end of Air Griffies you could have. And I was like, thanks, man. That's so nice. And then he sat there and looked at me like I had a banana tape to my forehead. And I was like, so where are you from? And he goes, no, this is the part of the convo where you tell me how much you like my Air Griffies, too. And I was like, what? <laughs> Who is this kid? What a wild turn of events. And uh, the kid turned out to be so, so incredibly cocky, as you would guess. And I've never forgotten that. I've never forgotten the idea. Like, for some reason, 12-year-old me now, if anyone compliments anything I have, I instantly turn to try to compliment something they have because this 12-year-old kid at that point was just like, this is the point where you compliment my Air Griffies now. And I'm like, okay, all right, fine. Like he was like my parents or something teach you, trying to teach me manners, although that was not manners. That was just rude. But it was cool. It was a baseball camp. But the point of the baseball camp is that you you meet friends and you meet people, but you don't know anybody really going into it. That's what I feel like the Browns training camp is. Like They, they kind of loosely maybe know some people, but Deshaun Watson and Elijah Moore met a month ago. They don't know each other. They don't, they don't hang out unless it's for wide receiver quarterback purposes and they're at the University of Miami or something. Like how many people does Deshaun Watson know on this team? He knows Nick Chubb briefly. He knows David Njoku briefly. Donovan Peoples-Jones briefly. He doesn't know a lot of these guys. And if we're talking about the relationships here, I do feel like it matters that you're best buddies with some of these guys because that's how life works. Think about your own job. I know a bunch of people that have decided to take less money in life to stay at their company because they like the people that they work with. Less money. They'll leave money on the table because they know that their work environment is good. I also know a lot of people that they think their work environment sucks. And if they were offered to take, I don't know, thousands less, but to be able to work in an environment where they actually like their coworkers, they'd do so at the drop of a hat. The environment matters. Who you're with matters. Being friends and being buddies with people at the end of the day does actually matter. 
This is why Stefanski's doing the West Virginia trip, where they all go to adult Disneyland in the Greenbrier, a spot for adults to do basically that everything that adults find fun that you could do in front of your boss. That's basically everything that's there in the Greenbrier, like pickleball courts, all that nonsense, right? OBJ and Baker never stood a chance when his dad was out there on YouTube. We've seen too many relationships in the NFL fail. Tyreek Hill wanted too many footballs. Didn't get along with Mahomes the same way that Kelsey did, and he was sent out. You've seen it once, you've seen it a million times. The Browns don't have the beef, but they also don't have the love either. They're in football limbo when it comes to this discussion, and there's no clear-cut answer one way or another. Can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. When it comes to having a relationship go sour, it becomes really tough to make it all work. And I did wonder if this was a football-exclusive idea. The the Guardians pitching staff really bonded when it was Bauer and Clevenger in that rotation. The problem was that they were problematic humans, but they bonded. Meanwhile, if LeBron and Kyrie never talked again, I'm not sure anyone would lose sleep over it. LeBron certainly wouldn't. I really do think this might be a football-exclusive thing. The idea that you, you kind of have to get along with your quarterback if you're a wide receiver, and if you're a wide receiver, you really have to kind of be best buddies with their quarterback, to not only be on the same page, but to also just kind of have the understanding of everyone. All right, we're going to get to Pete Futek and college football news coming up in a second. Uh, we have the All-Star Game on in the TVs. I want to talk about it for a brief second. We did a little bit at 740 right there, but there was something that I just thought was completely egregious that I need to address with you. Uh, Michael, Ken Griffey Jr. couldn't walk up to the mound and throw out the first pitch? Like he threw from in front of the mound, you're saying? That wasn't even in front of the mound. That was like 10 feet in front of the mound. I guess he probably should have thrown it from the mound. You're but... Ken Griffey Jr. Walk your happy ass up to the mound and throw the first pitch. He did throw a perfect strike. It felt like he could have well, done. He could have done it from further. Yeah, he's one of the greatest baseball players. I just talked about a, a, a trip going to Branson, Missouri, where I was wearing the Air Griffey's. I wasn't wearing the Air Buners. I was wearing the Air Griffies. He's one of the greatest baseball players of my generation. And he couldn't bother to walk his walk his butt all the way up to the top of the mound and then throw it. And I know there was two first pitches there. Separate them out. Have them both go up to the front. Give Griffey the top billing and go from there. Why do I find that so insulting? I I, I don't know why. I, I, obviously, there's a lot of jest happening here. I'm not I'm not taking it too seriously. But, like, with first pitches... Anytime I go to a game and I see a first pitch and I see somebody not go all the way up to the top of the mound, it's like you didn't even do the first pitch. I'll be honest. I kind of like them both throwing at the, at the same time. It's almost like a 21-gun salute sort of like oh, I think multiple it. things happening. I hate I can't stand it. You go to the, We went to a Guardians game last year, and it was me and my family, and, and we're all sitting there, and, and they had five, I'm not joking, five first pitches, Michael. Five. And like a 21-gun salute, they all went up there. They announced one by one by one by one by one. They, I mean, they had to bring, like, assistant hitting coaches and everything in order to catch these because they didn't have enough They didn't have enough players willing to volunteer to catch the first pitch, and they threw five out at the same time. It, it stops becoming an honorary first pitch when so many people do it. I agree, but that's still better than one after the next after the next. Yeah, for sure, but we got to put a cutoff on this. Uh, we got to – we got to – if you're going to do the first pitch, like, for instance – in Seattle for the All-Star game, they haven't had an All-Star game there in 22 years, right? Not since 2001, Cal Ripken with that home run, one of the more memorable All-Star game moments of my lifetime. 2001 was a busy year for me, apparently. Baseball camp, also uh, uh, remembering All-Star games. Diamondbacks won the World Series that year. Shout out, Mark Grace. And 
If you want to give it to Griffey, great. Ichiro, great. Jay Buhner, no thank you. Edgar Martinez, no thank you. Sorry, there's a cutoff line here, okay? It's Ichiro, it's Griffey. Maybe, maybe if Randy Johnson wanted to come back, he could he could throw out an honorary first pitch, but he'd have to promise me that he threw at 95 miles an hour. But that like that should be the limit. I don't need multiple guys for this. Edgar Martinez was pretty good. Come on now. He was great. He was great. But he was not Griffey. He was not Ichiro. He was not Randy Johnson. But he's, he's probably a Seattle celebrity. They one time did a uh they did a promotion in Seattle once. It was it was uh it was for Jay Buhner. And the promotion was you got to go to the game for free if you would get your head shaved to be like Buhner. And then they had like hundreds of people that got their head shaved and got the free ticket. And then they lined them all up and they just had a bunch of bald people that were trying to look like Jay Buhner. That's when baseball was uh, the promotions departments. They used to operate like minor league baseball promotion departments. And now they're, they're a little too uppity for that. They, they, they never pull that off at this point. It sounds like it's something that should be a Savannah banana event. But yeah, no, that was it. Jay Buhner was good. Edgar Martinez was good. Ichiro and Griffey were better. All right, Pete Futek, the best, joins us next right here on The Fan. All righty, back out of here on The Fan. It is overtime with Jonathan Pino. I'm glad you guys could all be with me here on a beautiful Tuesday night. Odyssey Rewind. Go back. You can listen to anything we had to say in the 7 o'clock hour. We started off with a David and Joker discussion. I really do think David and Joku is going to end up with just an absolutely dynamic year. I'm just, I'm convinced of it. With the new offense, I just think this is how this is going to work. If he can stay healthy, that's always the question with David and Joku. But if he can stay healthy, he's out of the doghouse. A lot there. Odyssey app rewind function. But now let's take you to college football. We go to one of my favorites. His name is Pete Futek of College Football News joining us here in the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Pete, how you been? Everything's going all right. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. We are in the, uh, you, you, I mean, it's the downtime right now, but we're ramping up here. Are you getting excited for football season to be back? I'm, yeah. You know, especially at tonight where it's like, okay, it's the all-star game. I'm like, sorry. Uh, I, I feel like a sports guy. I need to watch it, and I don't really want to. So, like, it's like, I, all right, I'm ready for, like, training camp. It, when, I, there's a rhythm to the year. I'm ready for pro training camps to get started. I'm ready for the cycle to kick in. And we're a couple weeks away. Uh, but, yeah, I am ready for all this stuff to happen. You know, let me ask you before we get into, like, Ohio State and some of the Northwestern stuff. I, I was talking to Ari Wasserman last week, and Ari was telling me how college football right now with the transfers – He's like, he'll watch games, and he'll be like, I know I should know that this person transferred there, but I have no idea. Like, it's just too many people, too many programs, too many transfers. Are you having a hard time with that, too? I, who is Ari Wasserman not getting? Because it's not like there's, like, like you kind of know, know the big guys, right? I mean, like, you, you sort of can kind of know that, all right, Keaton Slovis is now a BYU quarterback. And, you know, sure, there's there's a lot of, like, mid-level names who are, you know, if you're a real total geek college football <laughs> guy, you kind of know. But, like, it, it, for the most part, no. It's like, like last year, you knew Caleb Williams was at USC. That's kind of all you needed to know. And when it comes to the transfer portal, just kind of assume, it, do it in bulk and just kind of know that, okay, Colorado is basically all transfers. So start with that <laughs> and know that USC, they didn't quite do for defense what they did for offense last year. But they basically brought in an entirely new defensive front. 
So individuals, nah, you might not know them, but just know that they're like six guys who are going to crank it up up front for them. So, uh, but yes, you're right. On the quarterback level, it is going to be a little. If you're if you're a, if you're an average fan to mid level fan, yeah, it's going to be kind of weird. Like, wait a minute, I always got you know Kate McNamara. Wasn't he on like Michigan or something? So there's a lot of that going on. Okay, that makes me feel a lot better. Um, wait, so so Cade McNamara is he's at Iowa now? Is that right? Oh, just you know, try the try the SEC. You know, like and like all over the place. Actually, quarterbacks. If you know the quarterbacks, you're okay. Like DJ Uyengalale is going to be really good this year for Oregon State. You know, try to go to the SEC. Graham Mertz kind of failed out at Wisconsin. He's not at Florida. You know, uh, Lane Kiffin has like 19 different guys, transfer guys at quarterback. <laughs> Uh, at Ole Miss, Wisconsin's got about 32 of them. So basically, like, there's a lot of a lot of funky stuff happening out there. We brought Michigan to the table. Let's talk about him for a second. Uh, I saw new rankings on CBS, and I want to know where yours are. Uh, it said Jim Harbaugh jumped Ryan Day after Michigan's consecutive wins over Ohio State. If you were to, you could only hire one, Harbaugh or Day, to run a program for the next five years. Pete, who are you choosing? The problem with that, I'm, I'm sorry to spoil the fun of the, the, the concept. We were just having fun here, but you kind of have to NASCAR this thing. Like you have to say, okay, are, are they running the same program? You know, are they at the same spot? Because the thing about Ryan Day is, okay, yeah, he's lost to Harbaugh in each of the last two years, but he's also had kind of a historically amazing start. He's actually, Urban Meyer is the only Ohio State coach who's had a better first three years, four years, whatever it's been, run than Ryan Day has had. Now, there's the two losses to Michigan. There's no national championships in that mix. But if you look at what Ryan Day has done, I mean, the losses have been like the national championship, you know, to Michigan teams that turned out to be amazing. They're, they're not losing to Indiana. You know, they're not losing to anybody. So, so the, the, the problem with doing coaching rankings like that is, yeah, okay, if you're, you know, if you're in Alabama and you have a $25 million coaching staff, you can probably pluck about 100 different guys and be pretty good there. You know, and if you're Ohio State and you've got this machine going where you have all these five stars coming in, then, yeah, you know, it's it's kind of easier to, to work that system. Uh, so I guess I get fine. I've always been a Harbaugh apologist and always said even before, the, you know, winning, beating Ohio State does not make him technically a better head coach. Like, I was always a great head coach, but a uh, long-winded, pretentious way of saying, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm fine with that. I think the hard part for me in that discussion is that I know I know Ryan Day can do it at Ohio State. I don't know that he can do it elsewhere. I know Jim Harbaugh can. He's done it in a multitude of places, right? I, I don't know if Ryan Day didn't have the factory that is Ohio State if he's got the 2024 recruiting class like he just currently landed. Yeah, the problem with the, this conversation as well is, like like you said, you can't get the same guys you know, to go to, I don't know, let's say he's at Washington State as opposed to Ohio State. You know, you're not going to get the, the same guys. And, you know, from X's and O's standpoint, yeah, uh, these guys are all very, very good. But, look, at the end, the, the other part of this thing, too, which deserves more credit than we're giving it, is, yeah, you're right, it's Ohio State. It kind of recruits itself to a certain extent. But at the same time, he's the one doing it. Like, recruiting is 78% of the battle. Look, at, is Kirby mm-hmm. Smart, you know, Bill Belichick? I don't know, but he's got – the guy's got like 35 star recruits every single year for the last 10 years. And it turns out that makes you pretty good. So in a college game, the ability to be able to recruit the talent there, that's most of the battle. And give Ryan Day credit for being able to still keep that going. Cause it's not a given. 
You know, it's not, you know, you've seen, you know, power programs like, you know, Nebraska used to be a power program. Florida State's still trying to bounce back. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all, you know, Texas still can't come back. You know, all these other programs that should be as good as Ohio State and aren't, it's not quite as easy as that, but uh, give them credit for being able to take what Irvin uh, kicked in overdrive and uh, keep it all going. Pete Butek, College Football News, joining us here on 92.3 The Fan. Let me ask you this. This was not a popular take that I had. I just I need your opinions on it. Um, <laughs> if, if oh, great, you're, you're, you're deflecting it so I'll take some of the uh, the uh, uh, fire here. from. I, I feel like in, in reading you for as long as I've read you, I feel like you might actually be on board with this one, where I feel like oh. sometimes you go against the grain, and that's what I like about you. And this feels very against the grain, but it feels like I might be able to get you on board. So, oh, I am the grain. Let's start with that. <laughs> I am the grain. You, so, Ohio State versus Michigan with no divisions is going to be a big move, right? So, back to back weeks, though, is what it could potentially end up being. You could have Ohio State versus Michigan, and then the next week, Ohio State versus Michigan. In back to back weeks, I feel like this actually devalues one of the best matchups in sports, and I actually don't like the idea of. Uh, divisions being gone then because of that. But are they going to actually do that though? I mean, are they going to, can't you just kind of make it not the last game and kind of make it the second to last or third to last? But they never do that. My, so here, not only will I take your, you know, the, the fire that you're taking on that and, uh, I will actually take it on all myself. <laughs> I, who, Michigan, Ohio State, yeah, I know it's every, you know, the fans care. I know it's the biggest thing, and you know I know there's a, a, a. Trust me, there is. I got into way too many arguments about saying, "Hey, look, you do realize Ohio State's going to win the national championship?" Oh yeah, but we lost to Harbaugh, like, <laughs> like that group. Get over the Michigan thing if you're Ohio State. Win the national title. Look, if No Ruggles doesn't, you know, hook that thing into the lumber yard, <laughs> they're winning the national title last year. They would have won the national championship. You and I both know that, but there's Ohio State fans out there that don't. They they care about beating Michigan more than they care about uh, winning a national title. Well, then they can't they can't be helped, and you just have to let them go on their (laughs) way. Give them a shiny thing of tinfoil and let them have fun. Like I can't, you you can't help them. But I get it. I totally get it because you know, look, Michigan people are annoying. Trust me. All my best. I like five really good friends, and I don't like them who are into (laughs) Michigan because. They, they will tell I know you went to Michigan. I visited you there. I'm aware of this. You don't have to keep telling me you went to Michigan. Um, so I get it. And from that standpoint, no one wants to lose to their rival because it's annoying. And there's a disturbance in the force when that stuff happens. So I, 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 I do knock it from a national perspective. I, do, I think that the, the total prize is if you're Ohio State, win the national title. Who cares how the sausage was made? But I do get it. Uh, but to, to your direct question, the back-to-back week, I'm with you. I, I'm I, where this is going to get even weirder, and this is where everyone's going to have to recalibrate. Is try that both games are devalued because once we get to an expanded college football playoff, all you got to do is finish in the top 11, and you're going to get in this thing. So uh, I know there's going to be something about getting in the top four, winning the Big Ten championship, and probably getting a bye week. That's going to matter. Uh, but you know, going forward, we're going to have to kind of, kind of reconfigure what we think about as being a success and not being a success. Uh, Pete, explain to me whether or not you agree with Pat Fitzgerald and what happened with Northwestern, or whether you, uh, I just need your your thoughts basically. I'm going to leave it very open ended because, to be honest, Pete, I don't know that much about the story. I've read as much as I can, sure. but I really don't know nearly as much as you do here. 
Uh, at the ver- to break it all down, basically there was a hazing incident, and it's gone further than that where you've got other, you know, culture question marks coming into play. Uh, Fitzgerald vehemently has denied it, said, I didn't know anything about this, where you could either go where, look, you're, you are Northwestern University football, athletics, how did you not know this? And if you don't, that's a problem. And if you did, that's a problem. And did it happen? Then you have parts of the uh, this team saying, well, I never saw this happening, but there's a whole lot of guys who said, yeah, I saw it happen. So it's just a whole lot of ugliness happening at Northwestern. And so if it's, and where this gets weird is it's Pat Fitzgerald. The guy is absolutely synonymous with all things Northwestern. Everyone liked him for the, you know, the reason that he's the guy you talked, we talked before about, you know, if you're to NASCAR this and say, you know, what, do you, what would you, what would Pat Fitzgerald do? with the resources and the recruiting ability of Ohio State. Well, that would be very, very interesting. So I'd like him from that. But, look, if this stuff actually happened, it's not Penn State, it's not Baylor, it's not one of those, you know, really horrific type of things. But it's, it's, a, it's a bad enough look for Northwestern where, yes, it's, you, you move on because it's a, it makes your university look bad. And he hired a big-time law firm that's probably going to sue to try to get his name and reputation back after this. And it's just a whole lot of ugly right now off the field, all the while remembering that on it that Northwestern has gone 1-8 and eight in the Big Ten in three of the last four years, with the outlier being 2020 when, you know, it was my running gag. How do you know the Big Ten is down while Northwestern in the Big Ten championship? So it's, it's a lot of stuff happening all at once here in Northwestern a place that's not exactly, you know, Ohio State or Michigan when it comes to football powerhouses. Does he ever get to coach again? Yeah, you know how this plays out. Look, Hugh Freeze is coaching at Auburn. Like, yeah. people, for, people don't care. You know, people, it, it, yes, it's bad, but again, it's not like, it, it's not like the Baylor situation. It's, there's not going to be a stain necessary. It's just an ugly thing. So you know how this goes. He goes and becomes an unpaid assistant sitting in the back of the room for Saban or somebody, you know, or, you know, Kirby Smart and uh, something like that for the next, you know, half a year. And then he gets he, – he's going to be the number one draft pick when it comes to defensive coordinators. You know, every NFL team, every college team is going to want Pat Fitzgerald as their defensive coordinator because he will be a god. And then three years from now he takes – you know, a pretty decent-sized uh, Power 5 program from somewhere and takes it over and makes it his. Pete, it's always a pleasure talking to you. It's good to hear your voice, especially because I know that means college football is right around the corner. Thank you for uh, always being generous with, with your time and uh, giving us a few minutes here. Thank you, Pete. Anytime. Have a good one. Uh, you too. Pete Fitek right there, College Football News. Great stuff, as always. I've been reading him for a million years. He's just a... Uh, he was on today, wasn't he? <laughs> he cracks me up. Uh, we'll talk about what he had to say within Ohio State, and I, I, I'm going to come to a defense of Ryan Day. That's what I'm going to do, and I didn't ask this to Pete because it didn't feel right at the moment, but I want your input on it as well. Two one six four seven four double zero ninety two. People who root for colleges they have no tie to in any way, is that okay, or is that something that's a red flag? We'll do it all next. Fan Focus coming your way at 9 o'clock. It's overtime with Jonathan Beetle here with the other fan. All righty, back out of here on the fan. It is overtime with Jonathan Beetle. we got the Fan Focus coming up in about 15 minutes. Good stuff right there with Pete Futek. We'll touch on some of what he had to say about Ohio State. But I, I didn't ask Pete 
about the worst fan base in sports being people who root for colleges. They have no tie-in in any sort of way. It just, the interview didn't feel right about it. Because Pete was having all sorts of good jokes, and, and Pete was, he's just a really good college football guy. you got to remember, I've been listening to Pete Futek do radio interviews for 15 years. He was a regular on the station I grew up listening to, 670 The Score in Chicago. And he is just a... I just always been around when I when I, there there were years where my college football opinions were just based off of whatever Pete Futak had to say. That's why I love having him on, and I really do. I I think he's one of the best that we have in college football, and he does go against the grain, or maybe he is the grain at times. I'm not entirely sure, but he does. He he thinks differently, and that's what I love about Pete. He thinks differently, and he's got different contributions. And so I just it didn't feel right to ask him such a surface-level college football take. But I am curious, and I want to hear from you guys, because I think you guys will have a better pulse on it. Because I think Pete might be too in the college football weeds to have an answer for this one. But people root for colleges they have no tie to in any way. Is that an all right thing? Or is that something that we should probably be checking at the door a little bit more? I I went to Lindenwood University. That is in St. Charles, Missouri. I would have loved to have had a college football team to root for. Now, growing up, you guys might not believe this story, but it's truth, and so I just got to tell it like it is. My grandma lived in Lima, and anytime I used to tell this story before, I used to always say my grandma lived in Lima, Ohio, and then Andy Baskin would remind me, like, you're in Ohio. You don't have to say Ohio at the end of it. I'm like, there could be multiple Limas. You don't know where Lima is all the time. So anyway, my grandma lived in Lima. And my grandma loved Ohio State. She also loved the Indians. She also loved all the Cleveland sports teams. That's why growing up, there are photos of me wearing Albert Bell jerseys because I thought it was cool to like the Indians, even though I grew up a Cubs fan. Like, but my grandma loved it. So I thought that was great. And we'd come to Lima and then we'd wear all, we'd go to like Guardian or Indians games, excuse me. And then we'd go to like different. So like, there's a, there's a weird connection I have here, even though I'm not from here. But my grandma loved Ohio State football. She loved Ohio State football more than she loved any of the other sports, but she was just a big sports fan. Pastor loved a sports town, and my mom, my mom is the biggest baseball fan you're ever going to meet, all these type of things, right? She loved Ohio State football, which I think she'd probably think, if she was still around, that's pretty sweet that I work with Dustin. Because I promise you she would have known number 37 and Dustin Fox, and she wouldn't be able to tell you everything about Dustin. I'm sure she would. But again, there was a, it was a weird time in my life where then, you know, it was just, you know, she lived in Lima. We saw her. We didn't see her as much as maybe a lot of people would have liked. And it was what it was, right? Anyway, I grew up liking Ohio State. But that was me being the kid in Chicago where college football is not really much of a thing. I didn't really get into college football until I started going to do sports radio in different cities. Like when I lived in Wichita, we talked so much Wichita State basketball, but then we also talked about Kansas State football because at that time, Kansas State football was really big. And we talked about, uh, you know, the different college football scenes because that, it was a college town. And so everyone talked about college sports, even though Wichita State didn't have a college football team. And I always kind of felt like, it would be sweet to have that team that I root for, that team that I love. But even with my grandma, I had that relationship to Ohio State because of her, but it always felt fraudulent to me because I didn't go to Ohio State. So I'd never buy Ohio State gear because I was just like, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't add up. 
Now, Michael Bohm went to Ohio State. Michael Bohm is a massive Ohio State football fan. Michael, you have all the right in the world and then some to wear Ohio State gear. But when you see someone that, let's say, went to Toledo, that's got no connection to Ohio State, that's a diehard Buckeyes fan, do you think that's all right? Or do you think to yourself, ah, I don't know about that one, buddy? I think they have every right to be an Ohio State fan. Uh, Just that, by living in Ohio? Yes. But being like that diehard, ride-or-die Buckeye fan seems almost a little bit weird. You know what I mean? Like, mm, Okay. Um, so, like, for instance, my father-in-law, he went to Cornell like my wife did, right? Whole family went to Cornell. He likes rooting on Ohio State and likes watching Ohio State on Saturdays. He is the farthest thing from a diehard Buckeye fan, though. He'll watch them on Saturdays. He puts them on. He likes watching them, but he's not. You don't go to his house and see a bunch of Ohio State gear everywhere. All right, let me uh, let me actually throw you out throw out a hypothetical for you here because I thought yeah. of my own situation. Ohio State was the only school I applied to, right? Wow, I did not want to go. One of one. Look at you. I did not want to go anywhere else. I was dead set on going to Ohio State. What no, if I no safety school at all. No. I was, uh, my whole high school Ooh. career was just dedicated to getting into Ohio State, and then after that, the senioritis kicked in. What was uh, your ACT score? 29. I knew it was going to be 29. I, I don't know it, huh? why I knew it was going to be 29. Just now. short of getting in the honors If program. you would have made me ask, I was going to say 28 or 29. That was going to be the guess. I don't know why, but that's what I would have guessed. And I also think that's probably, what do you need to get in Ohio State, like a 25, 26? You know, they've raised expectations. I would say now you'd be lucky if you could get in with a 30. Like, no way. Yeah. I've seen, I've heard it's, of people getting declined with 29s. Please, it's still a state school. I mean, come on. It's a nice school. They have upped it, come though. Come on. They have upped it. I, I can tell you that much. But, but let me, so back to my point. What if I didn't get in? I think I would have been one of those diehard fans. Because I was born and raised on Buckeye football. And look, if I, if I couldn't get in, I couldn't get in. I still think I would love my Buckeyes. You know what I mean? Like there, uh, maybe there would be some sort of resentment about not getting in, but that's not going to affect at least it, I don't believe it would affect my love for the football team. A 30 is the average ACT score to get into Ohio State. How about that? But bam How about that? That's impressive. I would have been declined. You would have. At I was this in point, you would have been declined. You, you would have had to gone to, dare I say, Kent State or Akron. Dun, dun, dun. Which brings Jake Murren in the mix. Jake, how you doing tonight? Not too bad, JP. Love that little dig there. Well, you know, so you're not an Ohio State guy, though, are you? No, I am an Ohio State guy. You are an Ohio State guy. Yeah. Despite going to Kent State, you are. Wait, were you Kent State or Akron? I never remember. Akron, come on, man. I got to think about. Uh, I got to think about Solon's finest, and uh, and then uh, wipe that away. Okay, all right. Um, what was my dude's name? I do that play to Kent State that Sincere I interviewed. Carey. Sincere Carey. Yep. Thank you very much. Sincere Carey. I never forget. This is how I get tripped up in, in Akron and Kent State. All right. So you went to Akron, but you rooted for Ohio State. There's no part of you that felt fraudulent in that entire stretch? Not really. I mean, I kind of talked to you about this a little bit ago with you, JP, on Off the Beaten Path. Like, most people that go to Akron are still fans of other schools over the Zips. Like, there's more Ohio State gear on campus than there is Akron Zips gear on the University of Akron. So, like, yes, I would root for Akron football because, again, I was, like, reporting on them. But, no, I've always had, you know, Buckeye blood and Buckeye roots. Wow. Would you consider yourself, like, a diehard Ohio State fan? I don't like if I, yeah, did a, if I, I did a trivia contest, would you be able to hold your ground against Michael? I'm not saying beat Michael. You're not beating Michael. But like, would you be able to hold your ground on Ohio State Buckeyes trivia? No way. I, I'm terrible at sports trivia, so I would get 
absolutely destroyed by Michael in Ohio State Buckeye trivia. He's also well, a lot younger, so like you true. mentioned, like early two thousands Buckeye oh, he's, football. He's younger and. You know, the average ACT score at the University of Akron is 23, where we established Ohio State is the 30, so it's got to be part of it as well, right? No comment. Got a little part of it? No? Well, maybe, maybe not. Hey, was Akron your, was that your, was that your only school you applied to as well? Do I give a no comment here? No, you give whatever comment you want. Jordan, your dance for Jake, whatever you want. All I'll say is that I also applied to Ohio State. And you got in and you told him, no, thank you. You said, no. You said, I, Akron is where my heart belongs. And that's how the history books are going to tell that story, Jake. No comment. There we go. There we go. <laughs> that's fun, though. <laughs> you know what's fun about these stories is that I, so I was on a bowling scholarship to Lindenwood University, and I knew about my sophomore year of high school that I was already lined up for this bowling scholarship and everything. So I didn't go through any part of the process for applying for any random schools or any other schools. And obviously there was no safety school attached or anything like that because it's Lindenwood University. And I'm not going to look up the average. Now I'm going to do it. I'm going to look up the average ACT score for Lindenwood University to make all everyone at Akron feel better. Lindenwood at the time, I hope Lindenwood's raised their, uh, raised, raised their average a little bit because I, there was a while there where they were letting a lot of people in. 22. 22 for Lindenwood. So uh, not too far off of of Akron in that capacity. But I knew sophomore year of high school, that's where I was going. I had the scholarship offer way earlier than most people get scholarship offers. So I never, I almost feel like I robbed myself of that process of going through, sitting down, being like, this is my safety school. Oh, shutter safety school. And then like going through that whole process, uh, it's going to be so much fun. I can't, I can't wait until my daughter gets old enough to like go through that whole deal. But of course I know her mom and her mom's going to be like, you're going to Cornell. And that's the answer to that. And then I'll be over here like golf scholarship to Stanford. Here we go. A lot of pressure on this kid. This kid's a lot of pressure on this kid. This kid does not need all this pressure. All right. Anyway, tweet at me at Jay Peterlin. People who root for colleges that they have no tie in in any way. Is it lame or is it all right? We got the fan focus coming your way next busy nine o'clock hour. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterlin here with you guys on the fan. 